This morning's scripture passage is found in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 16. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because... The Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Thank you, David. We uh, discovered uh, some ancient uh, video footage of King Saul uh, when he was a baby. So I wanted to share that with you because it's really remarkable. That was truly Saul's life. It was one that was full of happiness and joy, and he would shout out, I love you, David. And then next thing you know, the evil eye, and spears would come flying at David's head. Saul lived a life for the rest of his days that had the jealous eye, the evil eye. It was a life that became focused on David, jealousy, and it led to incredible anger. It led to amazing destruction in his life, and his life for Saul became consumed with fear, and he did not live by faith. And for us this morning, as we look at Samuel 18... I hope we can start to move from a life that is stuck with a jealous eye and that we move a life that the Lord calls us to, like Hebrews 12 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, like jealousy like anger, like bitterness. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set out before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne 
of God. I hope this morning, together as a body of Christ, that we learn and draw near to our Lord and fix our eyes upon Jesus rather than the evil eye on one another. The scene we enter into this morning is a scene of of great celebration, of great victory for Israel. There has been defeat of the Philistines, victory over the enemy, a common enemy. The scene is is like the, the first Fiesta Bowl victory of the Broncos over Oklahoma. People are rejoicing. They can't believe it. Incredible strength. Celebration had to happen, had to take place. And so it did. And so they show up and they celebrate. And and Saul had set David over the men of war. Saul is the one who put him in a place of being the commander. And David returned from striking down the Philistines. And there was incredible victory and celebration. And then what we see is we see how sin, how our flesh, how the enemy just worms its way into this whole beautiful victory and how King Saul ends up with this evil eye in a day that was meant to celebrate and to praise. The common enemy was defeated. And the battle that's raging now is within Saul and his heart. And so after the victory, the song we see in verse 7 is starting to be sung and the women come out and they start singing this song and one of the things that you cannot miss in this chapter is who are they singing to this whole presentation is to king saul it's not to david it's to king saul all of the honor is going to their king king saul all this victory dance is in honor of king saul and the kingdom And yet Saul has a heart that has turned away from God and has allowed himself to be consumed with this jealous, evil eye. And he's stuck on David. Look at the song. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Now, first reading, you go, what an incredible slam upon Saul. How embarrassing for the king that this would be sung. What a put-down. But you know what? It's not an insult at all. The song in no way puts Saul at a lower level. It's beautiful Hebrew poetry that uses numbers to intensify the victory, to intensify a situation and to bring about the ultimate, which is, ah, this is good, but it's even better. It's not to put down King Saul at all. But yet he lives a life through a jealous eye, and that's the only lens he can look through. We see this type of literature in Deuteronomy 32. It says, how could one man pursue a thousand of them? How could two put ten thousand to flight? The truth is, the women lavish their praise upon Saul and David. Again, 
Saul's the one who set David in place and in authority. It's only appropriate to also give praise and thanks for what David has accomplished. They came to honor the king, but he takes it as a personal affront. And he reacts in a way that ends up with him the rest of his life. Verse 8 says this, the response of King Saul. He was very angry. It's, it's the image of, of he's red hot, fire, burning. You ever been angry like that? You ever allowed anger to consume you so much? I have. It's amazing the things that we head on a certain course and something gets in our way. And instead of turning that over to God, we go right to anger. And then sometimes that anger just gets furious. I have a hole in my door at our home. Red hot anger. And I had to punch something. It gets a hold of us. It says he was burning hot and then it says it displeased him. The saying displeased him. That image, that wording, is that he started to shake like a San Francisco earthquake. It just, ah! This song is being sung, and it's all about David, which was so untrue. But the enemy whispered those lies, right? Because he's the great deceiver, isn't he? And he does the same with us. Cannot forget the battle that we're in in this journey. He is displeased. He's angry. And verse 9 says, And his eye saw, I, David, from that day forward. He had this, this, this jealous eye focused on him. He, he had this, it actually goes to the court. He had an evil eye set upon David for the rest of his life. It was King Saul who started this thing. You, you do, do this? Hey, I got my eye on you. I'm doing this. Hey, I know all about you. I know what you're doing, Mike. Hey, Mike, I got you. Why are you so much better than me? Huh? I'm watching you. He started that. It's De Niro and Meet the Parents. Saul focused alone on David for the rest of his days. And he became consumed with jealousy and consumed with everything that was going on with David rather than what was going on with Israel, what was going on with God. He became like Gollum with the ring. I must have my precious. And we know how Gollum's image came out. Destroyed. Ugly. Bitter. That jealousy led to murderous rage. And the next thing you know, it goes from, I love you, David, to I love you to death. And as David is playing in his presence, it, it's a scene out of the Matrix, isn't it? All of a sudden, the whole scene goes slow motion. And here comes King David, or Saul, with, with rage, and he picks up a spear, and he hucks at it at David, and David's just like, whoa, you know. <laughs> Twice moves out of the way of those spears, empowered by the spirit of the Matrix. And he moves... 
And Saul is just so jealous and so angry and murderous rage that he wants to kill him, wants to take him out. That's where anger, unkept, takes us all. That's where anger, if it's not surrendered unto the Lord, takes us to that place. And that's what that scene shows us. And you think we can't get that angry? You're fooling yourself. Anger, when it's not set before the presence of the Lord, can lead to murderous rage, in our thoughts anyway. And then sometimes we just, we feel like we want to take that person out. And oftentimes it starts with a jealous eye. Life isn't fair. Why does that person have that? Why am I not part of this? David has the spears thrown at him. It's a brutal scene. It's a life consumed by jealousy. Young men, it's like young men who are vying for the, the heart of a woman. And they're battling against each other. I think there's even a movie out today about these two guys going after Reese Witherspoon. And they battle, and they're jealous and what each other's doing. Here's what the scriptures say. In Proverbs 14, a heart at peace, which God calls us to, that we have peace in him, gives life to the body, but envy, envy rots the bones. Listen to this statement. Envy is resenting God's goodness to others, resenting all that God is is doing with others and ignoring God's goodness to me. I resent, God, what you're doing in Corey Freeze's life and his great youth ministry. Can't believe you would allow him so much blessing and ignoring what God is doing with Rod Ritchie. That's where the evil eye, that's where the jealous eye takes us. And we find jealousy creeping in in all areas of relationship. We, we see it from the beginning of time in relationship with siblings. We see it with Cain and Abel, right? Abel shows up with his offering and the Lord is pleased. Cain shows up with his offering and the Lord is not pleased. And apparently that's Abel's fault. That Cain's offering is not acceptable. And here's what the scriptures say very clearly. And I don't want to miss this because there's always this connection. The jealous eye, and here's what it leads to. It says, Cain became very angry. And the Lord confronts him. Remember what he says? Sin is crouching at your door. Sin is crouching at your door. And sure enough, it took hold. And Cain, in his jealous eye, enraged, red-hot, killed Abel. We know the story well. We see it with the prodigal son between those brothers. And we see that there there is this great celebration. The prodigal son had told his father, listen, I wish you were dead. He goes out and lives his own lifestyle with prostitutes and wasting all his money. Ends up in pig soup. Finally realizes, I have a father who loves me. So he returns. And so the father puts on a great celebration, a great party. 
And the older son sees all the preparations of what's going on and says, what's happening here? Well, your father is putting on a celebration because your younger brother has returned home. And here's what the scriptures say in Luke. When the older brother heard this, his jealous eye, he became very angry. And the scriptures lead us in the end of the story. It's so much of a murderous rage, he wanted to wipe out. He wanted to wipe out his father. Kill him. Kill his brother. Wanted it all wiped out. That would be the culmination of the story if we got the wrap-up of the story. We have that in our own lives, don't we, with our own siblings? You know, we, we, we wrestle and we fight and we go back and forth. My brother Ron is five years older than me. And so he's always bigger uh, while we were growing up. But we used to fight all the time. And I was always jealous of him. Isn't that the deal with, with siblings? We're, we, we end up in this place where we're really jealous of each other. You know, the, the older one actually gets jealous of the younger. The younger gets jealous of the older. And all in between, you go, we're all jealous of one another. And we allow ourselves to stay in that place. And we sort of say, well, it's just sibling rivalry. But it's really sin. And it's, it's just, we, we are jealous. And we let it take over. And it does, it gets you to that rage. And while you're younger, that rage is okay. You can fight, fist fight. You're not killing each other. But you know, fist fights go on. That would have my brother all the time. And he would win every time. Because <laughs> he's five years older. Hated that. But I was so jealous of him. Like he, because he was older, he got to do a lot more stuff with my dad uh, while stuff was happening. So we, you know, we're building a deck at the house, and and I just wasn't I wasn't really at a place yet where I knew how to do that, and I was just younger. But he got to do it all with my dad. So I was jealous. Like he gets to do this stuff, and he gets to hang out with dad, and and I'm over here, you know, just pl- plucking flowers, weeds, you know, and stuff. And and I just got jealous. And we'd fight back and forth, and, and so he would do things that would just upset me. And He had this one cowboy hat that he just loved, and, and he did something where I was jealous about. And so he, he always got the good stuff first. This is the problem with younger siblings, right? They get the hand-me-downs, right? <clears throat> so he always got good stuff, and I'm just like, what, what am I, chump change here, you know? And, and so he gets this cool hat, and, and I was so mad. And so I went up to his room and threw it on the floor, and I just, ah, <laughs> oh, felt so good. And so we, we ended up getting in a fist fight. And, and here's the way it worked at our home. So whenever we get in a fight, because uh, he was stronger than me at the time, he, he would you know, win and it would hurt. And so I would, in my best French, swear at him you know, with all kinds of colorful language. And then after, after I'm all bloodied up and everything, he would, be, he would say, hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, I won't tell mom that you swore if you don't tell... Tell them that uh, I hit you, you know? So I lost every time. You know, it was a bad deal. And then I got bigger. And then there came a day of payback. We, you know, we have these sibling rivalries, and it's, it's exactly that. It's the jealous eye that stirs those up. And we fall into this. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? We struggle with jealousy, and we find jealousy creeping in when 
others are recognized for a lot of the hard work that you have done. And others get credit for that. It's an area where jealousy creeps in. I was telling the staff the other day, and this is, this is my own personal sinful, stupid stuff. But, you know, I, I work hard on, on bringing a teaching on Sunday mornings. You know, it's not Saturday night, uh, just throwing something out. You work hard, and you want the Lord to use it, you know. And so, a couple months after one of my teachings, and, and uh, I heard these people talking about uh, this, this statement uh, that was said in the sermon. And, and, it was, and it was like, oh, this statement was so good, and it really enriched me, and... and just made me think a lot about what I'm doing in my life. And, and there's like, I just so appreciate how David Roper just really brought that truth out. And I'm sitting over, over here in this, I'm just like, this wasn't Roper. Guy gets credit for everything, dang it. And so he should. He's really the great saint. We, we bow down before Roper. But isn't that stupid? But it's how the enemy gets in there. And creates the vision and this jealous eye and this wanting. And we start to, to struggle with these things. Others are recognized. I'm always amazed by these people who, who say they want to be behind the scenes, that they love that, they just like to be behind the scenes, but then the people who are up front get recognized and then they really get angry. It's like, but I thought you wanted to be behind the scenes. Yeah, but they should have you know, mentioned I was behind the scenes. <laughs> We struggle. Do you see, it's the sin, it's sin that so easily entangles, and, and we've got to be aware that we're in this battle. And the jealous eye is one of the worst things that just takes us over. And we, we often like to joke about it or think it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal. Because the outcome of it is really that murderous rage, that anger that goes deep, and it starts to consume us. Our eyes are fixed alone on that person who is offending us who's better than us. We compare. We struggle with spiritual success of others in our church family. You go out to do a a mission trip and you have a common goal and you have a common enemy, Satan, who you know is trying to defeat that ministry. And you go and and all kinds of things are happening and kids are coming to Christ and people, people are surrendering unto the Lord and there's great victory in the camp. And then someone says... Well, Brian Grant got more credit for, you know, leading people to Christ than I did. How dare you, Brian? It's true. You know it of yourselves. But we just had an incredible victory in the Lord. We just had joy in all that God was doing. And we let the jealous eye take over. And then it creates that division and that anger in the camp. Spiritual success, we struggle with that. We compare one another and just where we're at, where we're at financially. Or, you know, ask yourself this question. If a friend comes to you and they say, hey, you know what, so cool. It worked out with my work schedule and everything, but I'm going to take uh, my family to Hawaii uh, this week. And, and uh, we're going to go and, and just have a great time on the beach and snorkel and all that stuff. And do you, how do you respond? Are you like, oh, I just rejoice with you? Or do you tend to go to that place of, I just scraped off ice off my windows for 30 minutes this morning, you sucker. And how come you're not taking me with you? you know? 
I mean, honestly, how do we respond to people when they tell us about their, their good things that are going on in life? Do we celebrate with them? Do we thank God with them? Do we rejoice? How cool that you get to go on a vacation like this. Or do we allow the jealous eye to take over? And then we start, how can they afford that? Wait a second. I know what their salary is. How can they do that? It, it creeps in, doesn't it? And the Lord says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Not on one another. Not in comparing. We compare a lot. We compare all the time. We do it in our marriage. I do it with Kina, and I, I've been learning over the years to, to finally just surrender that. Here's the deal with, with Kina. Kina is an amazing woman. She, she quite honestly can almost do everything. I mean, she's, she's just so talented. She's, she's a great uh, chef. She, she, uh, here's the thing, though. She, she can build. She is a great, uh, great contractor, great in construction. And I always felt as the husband, as the man, like I should be the guy who's good at this. And quite frankly, I should be better than my wife because I'm the dude. That's just the way it's supposed to work. Here's the deal, though. When we build stuff together, I mean, she would start laying out stuff. And, and we, we redid our whole kitchen, and we did a bunch of tile work. And, uh, and we're, we're fairly good at that. And, and, uh, but I like to kind of step back and do the map design and get it all figured out. Kina looks at something, and she just goes, okay, here's the angle we need to cut. This needs to be at a 33-degree angle here, and da-da-da, here's 45 on this one. And I'm just like, wait a second, woman. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, let me kind of do this. And I would just compare. I'd get jealous of her ability. Really. And the Lord's just going, what are you doing, Richie? This is your wife. This is your oneness. This is the gift I've given you. And, and you're getting caught up in this, this petty jealousy about how talented she is. How about rejoice in her talent? And so I started to learn to do that. And so I just, you know, put the putty on the floor and she puts the tile. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. I want you guys to think about areas that you're letting, you really, you are letting, you are letting that sin creep in. I want you to think about areas where you're letting it control you and where you're stuck with a jealous eye. Because it happens to all of us and it happens easily. And so we let go. What happens when we have a jealous eye, when our, eye are fixed, when our eyes are fixed on others, is that we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves. Do you remember in the, in the movie and in the book, uh, The Don Treader, Prince Caspian? And Lucy and the gang, they show up, <clears throat> they show up uh, with Prince Caspian on an island, and there's, Lucy walks into this, to this cave in this room, and there's a book of incantations. And Lucy comes before the book... And it says to speak forth these incantations. She has always struggled with how she looks. Always. And she struggles that her sister Susan is so much more beautiful than she is. And so she recites this incantation. And and all of a sudden a mirror pops up on the next page over. And she looks at it and she sees her face and it starts to transform into Susan's face. And so she tears the paper out of the book puts it in her pocket, and then she has a dream. And in the dream, she is Susan. And she goes and talks to her brothers about Narnia and and all these things. And what she comes to find is that 
Susan, she has become, but Lucy is no more. And, and she's standing before this mirror and has it in this dreamlike state. And then Aslan shows up. And Aslan says, Lucy, what is this you have done? She says, I don't know what I've done. This is awful. But Lucy, you chose this. But I didn't mean to choose all of this, she says. I just wanted to be beautiful like Susan, that's all. And then Aslan says, Dear Lucy, you have wished yourself away. And dear child, do not ever forget your value before me. When our eyes are fixed on others and all that's going on with them and how their life is so much better or that we need that life, we lose all that God is doing with us. We lose ourselves. And God wants to speak to you this morning in, your, in the midst of a jealous eye. You just go, you have value. Let me do my work in you. Let me remind you of who you are and what you're all about. The scriptures call us, fix our eyes on Jesus. And the way we can combat that, the way we can fight the jealous eye, is that our eyes are alone on him. As we look at verse 14, it's the center line of chapter 18, and it says, David had all of this success. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And we're going to see that play out in this next chapter as we study next week. Because the Lord was with him. You see, David started to realize, my strength comes from the Lord. My eyes are fixed on the Lord who is with me. The Lord was ministering to David. You know what's interesting? David doesn't get jealous over Saul, does he? We don't see that in the scriptures. He struggles with waiting, and he goes to the Lord But he's not jealous over Saul. He turns that evil eye, that jealous eye, over to the Lord and starts to live in the strength of the Lord. And he is empowered by the Lord. You see, the Lord doesn't ask us to enter into something without the Lord empowering us to do something. When he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, get rid of the sin that so easily entangles, it's not like, well, good luck. I hope it works out for you. Get rid of all that sin. No, no, no. He empowers us. We don't have to live there anymore. He died on the cross for that sin. And the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that rose again from the dead, that dwells within us. We have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And he calls us to a place that's not about a jealous eye. It's about a life that's together in unity of the Spirit. It's about a life that uplifts one another, like Philippians 2 says if you have any joy from the Spirit, any any beautiful uh, comfort from the Spirit, make my joy complete. How? By being like-minded, one in spirit and purpose. Consider others better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but to others, like Jonathan did with David, like Jonathan, who's the Christ example, who said, David, I see very clearly my eyes fixed on God, that you're meant to be king, not me. Jonathan could have very easily had the jealous eye, couldn't he? 
David's getting all the success. Here goes my kingdom. I'm supposed to be the guy in line. He fixed his eyes on the Lord. Jonathan did. So did David. Saul was fixed and consumed with King David. There was dear sisters in Philippi who were in a battle. And Paul calls them back to loving each other. He says, you're loyal, yoke fellow. You've worked with me in the ministry. You're beautiful saints. I want you to keep running together because the jealous eye is getting a hold of you. You guys are fighting over things that are stupid. And so draw back together what he's calling us as a body to do. Because here's what's happened. We let the enemy get a hold of us, and all of a sudden, we start thinking things about each other so untrue. You know, we start looking at Howard. Howard obviously doesn't, you know, he's not happy with me. I could tell just by the look on his face. It's not true. He's just tired. You know, it was was spring ahead. (laughs) But no, you must be angry with me. You guys ever let the enemy creep in like that? It's like you get a, an email and because you, 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 you can't hear the tone or can't see the face. You just think that that letter was just so mean and vicious. And you write in the email, hey, you know, uh, just really enjoyed this weekend. I hope you have a good day. And you read that and it's like, how dare you hope I have a good day? Don't you know it's been a bad week for me? Are you mocking me? Emails are the worst. The enemy loves to use email to create this bitterness, things that aren't happening. Here's what the Lord says. He says, I want you to, I want you to focus on the things that are beautiful. Here's what Philippians 4 says. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, what's beautiful, right, pure, praiseworthy, think those things upon each other. Think, hey, Howard's a great man of the Lord, and I know he loves me. And I know he cares about my life. He's not out to get me. But I let the enemy go for a second go, and look at that look he gave me. Right here, buddy. <laughs> we confront the enemy with the word of God and with the truth of scriptures. The Lord is with us. We depend on him. We look to him. We fix our eyes on him. And we fight the enemy who's always whispering those lies. And we remember that we are valuable before God. And when we fix our eyes on the Lord, here's something you'll come to recognize about the Trinity in and of itself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is what pours out into our lives. This is John 17. The Trinity is not jealous. The Trinity is not jealous. John 17. Father, I I pray that you will be in them like I am in you and you are in me. I prayed. I, I gave them the glory that you gave me and I give you glory back. And Father, I want them to be like us. That's Jesus' prayer, John 17, for us, dear saints. There's no jealousy in the Trinity. God calls us to fix our eyes on Him. God calls us to unify as a body of Christ. The jealous eye divides the unity of the Spirit. The jealous eye, if you stay there, will destroy your life. You will be consumed with others and you will lose all that God wants to do in you. And so surrender that to our Lord and Savior, the one who can defeat that and conquer that, the one who renews our minds, transforms our hearts. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And Father, we do this morning, we surrender this to you.
all of us, Lord, we know we are drawn, easily drawn to jealousy, to looking at what others have or what they're doing or their success spiritually. And we let that, we let that at times uh, just take over our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would empower us through your Spirit to fix our eyes on you, that we would remember that you are with us, and that we would hold on to the beautiful value that you have in us, Father. And so we repent today, Father, of our sin against you, the jealous eye. We release that unto you, Lord Jesus. In your precious name, amen.